Well, I just got some things on my heart I want to share because um, uh, that, that reckless means an abandonment. You just totally abandon yourself. I mean, so, so sometimes that word's used a little differently today than what it was used in the old days. So uh, I want you to understand that. And, um, but the thing about it is, is, is we, uh, Floyd and I served an encounter this weekend. And I have to say, um, yeah, I, I, it was, I, hey, we got more than we gave. We got more than we gave. I needed it. I really did. And uh, I know why, you know, the devil wants to fight against, especially you guys. We need men. We need men. It's, it's revival is what it is. You give God 48 hours. You give God 48 hours like that. You ain't going to come back the same. You're not. Okay? And so um, the thing is, is, is I know why Satan wants to work so hard is because uh, talk about reckless love. God totally wrecked me this weekend. Um, and by that, I mean in a good way, right? That brokenness. And, that, and that's why I asked you to, to, that, about that song, that here I am, Lord, gracefully broken, because he breaks us so gracefully and so carefully. And so he can put us back together. And, um, you know, and as I realize uh, this weekend that there's so much, there's so much that's been to become the focus of us and not the focus of him. And, and, and what he wants to do in and through our lives. And it's so easy for me to just go through the motions. And I want to tell you, I had a sermon already. I did pretty much have it ready. PowerPoint, everything to go with it. In First in Timothy, was pretty excited about it. Um, I'm very much sleep deprived. And then with different things the Lord's stirring my heart about, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't sleep last night. And um, so I, God is trying to do something. You know, God Almighty, the thing about God is he's so gracious and he's so awesome. He's not going to force himself in us and through us. We have to be willing because otherwise it wouldn't be love, would it? And, and, but on the other hand, Satan is always trying to distract us. He's always trying to distract us and get us off track. And he does the same thing for me that he does you. In fact, I got to tell you, I think I'm a, I'm, I'm not trying to be like boastful here, but I really think I'm a bigger target than you are. I do. Because, and, and I take this seriously, because even one of the verses we had to read in Sunday school talked about uh, those who have the leadership that, uh, you know, in other words, it's telling people in church, try to do your best because they're the ones that's going to have to give an account for your souls. Are you hearing me? And I want to be able to do that with joy. But here's the other thing. I have to give an account. I'm having to give an account. I have to give an account of the things I've taught you. I have to give an account. And so I, don't, I know I know that if the enemy uh, gets me off track, knocks me down, that there's a lot of collateral damage. And I'm going to have to answer for that. And, um, and I take that seriously. I take that very seriously. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to serve and to give. But, but just to get away and just, just for God to, to totally break me down and I needed that desperately. I needed it so desperately. So um, that the sermon that I wanted to preach this morning, I can't, I can't preach it. I just can't. Um, in fact, the way I felt this morning was, if it was, <sighs> bear with me. And I know there's something about encounter men, don't be afraid of it, but there's something there that just makes guys' eyes get messed up. But if there was any way I could have not shown up today. I think I could have just stayed in bed. I really do. Now I hope that doesn't bother you to hear that. But that's the truth. He said, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. So I began to get up and I didn't, I'm just 
you know, three or four, four days in, in the sleep thing is, is really getting something. But because, um, you know, in encounter, you're just so busy, you just try to sleep fast, right? You do. And this is awesome. But this morning, I was just like, you know, I got up and I'm just like, I don't think I can do this. And what am I going to do? Because, see, you guys are all counting on me. See, you're counting on me. God's counting on me. Um, but if I'm not careful, I can get to the point that I'm going through the motions and I'm doing all this stuff. And then who's holding me accountable? Right? And um, so I just began to go over the scripture and going over. And I said, that's a great lesson. I just don't think I can do it. And uh, the Lord just took me to a passage that I want you to turn to in Colossians chapter 1. And as I read that, you know, this doesn't always happen, okay? It's based on faith, not feeling. Amen? But aren't you glad that God moves through our whole being? Right? He does. Now, if you just are looking for a feeling, you're probably going to find something that's false. Okay? That's just like people thinking they're falling in love. They're looking for a feeling. It's not love. It's not love. Love's not a feeling. Love is a decision. You got that? It's a decision. God decided to love. There's no reason why God should have loved us. When God calls all, in fact, God doesn't just call on me to love you and, and to us to love one another and husbands to love their wives and to love our children and all that. He commands us. He commands, it's a command. It's not a feeling. It's not an option. It's a command. And I can't do it without his help. I can't love without his love. All of those things. I have to rely totally, totally, totally on him. And um, like I said, sometimes we get to go in on autopilot with some of those things. And, uh, but I'm, I'm so glad uh, that, that he pours his love in us. So the thing about it is, is the first time, let me just tell you a little testimony here. First time that, um, that I went to uh, Men's Encounter, uh, and, I, and, and, you know, there's guys doing sessions and things there that, you know, hey, some of us pastors, we could teach it a whole lot better than they do. You know what I'm saying? But it's just that freshness and that rawness and that, you know, it's just, it's just good. And what happened was, is this was back about um, um, six years ago or so, six something, six, six years or so, that I, I, uh, I finally, some of you guys had already gone, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, uh, I, didn't, I wanted to go at first just to show that, hey, this is good. I prove it. You'll hear a lot of kind of things about it. You'll hear a lot of stuff because most people that hadn't been have opinions, you know, that haven't been. But um, when I went, it was kind of like, okay, Lord, I love you, but I'm just getting tired of, of all the sheep. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I'm 51 and point something years old. I have been pastoring full time since I was 20. The, I filled in at that church. I started, God called me to preach. I started preaching when I was 15. God radically changed my life. I had somewhere to preach nearly a good part of the time, even in high school. Um, so I get to college. I'm ready to get with it. You know, Clarissa and I had met, and then we get married. And I jump into it a little fast. I really do. I'm filling in at places. We're part of a great church there in Norman, Oklahoma. We're in Bible college. And then there was a church that didn't have a pastor. It had been large, and it kind of gone, you know, south, and uh, they couldn't find anybody. I began to fill in there. I filled in. I filled in all summer long. All these well-known pastors would come in. They would have them come in, and they would look at the whole situation, and then they would decide, oh, this is too dysfunctional, and leave. I kept filling in. I kept filling in. Finally, it got desperate enough. They said, what about you? 
And you know what? I prayed about it. I prayed with other pastors, and I finally like, yes, I was ready. Uh, we were expecting our first child at that time, Caleb. And my first Sunday to be officially, they voted, and they called me as pastor, and I was going to be an official capacity as pastor on the first Sunday of September. And I didn't show up. I didn't show up because he was born that day. <laughs> and, and so that's how I started out there. But I was there for two years. And, you know, various things happened, and the Lord just showed me that, you know what, I've, you've, taught, I've taught you, you've learned, and, and there was, I just felt released. I felt released. And um, I didn't mean to come here. I didn't mean to, but God worked it out. And he's not let me go ever since. But the thing about it is, you start adding that up, and that's 32 years almost that I've been pastoring full time. And so sometimes you can just kind of go through the motions and you can just kind of get in a rut. And, and I was kind of feeling that way six years ago. And um, so when I went to encounter, my thing was, is that, Lord, I just want you to fill my cup. You know, I feel like it's all going out. It's all going out and not enough coming in. And so I just want to go and worship and just be there. I want you to pour into me. Okay, you've got to be willing. You can go with a closed heart and a closed mind and you can just get nothing. You can't. Just be irritated the whole time. But I went open. And I kept praying for that. And I was enjoying that. And usually it takes a while to break through the layers, doesn't it? And it was that second morning that finally the Lord showed me. I'm just praying, God, please fill me, Lord. Please fill me. I'm feeling so empty. I'm feeling so tired. Lord, help me. And then, you know, I'm not saying an audible voice, but how the Lord impresses this in your heart. And it's like the Lord was telling me, I would love to fill you, but it's really hard to fill something that's already full. Because you are so full of yourself right now. That there's no room for me to fill you. So I went wanting a filling, but I had to do some pouring out. And then God filled me up. And that's how that works. And I know that going in this time. But there's, there's a lot of stuff accumulates. There's a lot. There's a lot. And, it has, and you know, to have that opportunity to, to minister to others and to empty out. So while I was there, I got to do that. The Lord showed me some things I did not want to see about me, okay? Kind of avoid it and kind of get in your own groove, do your own thing. I like to listen to other preachers and podcasts and stuff like that, but I'm going to tell you, pastors, you get, we need to be praying for all of our pastors because if you're only listening to yourself, you're going to get off track. Because, see, I do have my grids that I try to filter things through, and um, there may be some things I'll try to avoid, but then you're listening to someone else and you're accountable with someone else, you're studying the Bible with someone else and they sneak past your defense and they hit you with the truth, right? Somebody that loves you especially, that's powerful, isn't it? You know, one of the things that we always say there is, you know, in, in dealing with us guys is that, you know, I'm a whole lot more concerned about your future than I am your feelings. We're afraid to hurt each other's feelings. And I want to tell you that there's been times I have worried too much about people's feelings than their futures. Really. And, and that's something that all pastors kind of can get caught up in. So um, I had an pro- opportunity for God to really show me some things that he wants me to deal with in my own heart and life. And so that's one reason why I felt like, you know, I just, I just need to do something different today. And um, the enemy's attacking harder than ever before. And he's determined that he wants to destroy and he wants to stop some things that God's trying to do. Here's the good news, that Satan hasn't got the power to do that Unless we let him. We absolutely have to let him, okay? And um, the other thing is I got to pray with people, not just for salvation. Uh, people who 
you know, I've stood and felt like coming in there that I'll do this, but I think I've decided I don't want to live. I got to really be with a young man that uh, several of us, you know, talked with that I saw that shadow leave and light just blaze forth. Yeah. And Satan had lied so many clever ways to him. And he finally saw it. It's just, and it's just, just one little, little thing. So I want to encourage, that come August, I want to challenge some of our men, if you can, if you can get the time, just, you know, just not to do it to be doing it, but, but give God 48 hours, basically. It's different than what we can do every Sunday. It's not church. It's not a substitute for church. It's not. It's a tool uh, to, to help sharpen us and, and bring revival, okay? Here's what I want to read. Because in thinking about that and thinking about, here's, here's, here's a word that God really impressed on me last night. Okay, are you ready? Now, I want you to listen, everybody, because I think this is for all of us. But there's some of us that God is calling out, including me. This is, a, this is something he impressed on me. And here it is. It's really three words, but it's two when you use contractions, right? It's time. It's time. I've heard that from God before. And do you know what? It's time for what? It's time. Every time I've heard that, here's what God was telling me. It's time to surrender. It's time. to You're fighting it on your own. You're doing all this stuff. You're going through all this. There's some surrendering. And that's one reason, that's one reason that that song, Gracefully Broken, was on my heart this morning. Uh, I, because that's that's it. Is that even in the midst of trying to do all the good, there are some there are some things that we're holding on to that we just need to totally give under God's control. I want to read this passage because this is something that I need to be reminded, and you need to be reminded. Okay, and as a church, here's the thing: that it's not got to, it doesn't need to be fake, but God wants to take our passion for him he wants to put the fire in us that burns brighter than it's burning okay you know we always talk about getting in a rut and what did the old preacher say the rut is nothing but the a grave with the ends knocked out right and i just keep getting there okay and um but listen to what he says Um, i'm going to back up to verse 12 because um i struggle really bad with not feeling qualified. Okay? Now, the thing I was supposed to preach on today has to do with qualifications. There's some biggies in there that we watch out for, you know? But it's those little ones that are in there equally important. They're all. And um, I struggle with that. I prayed with other pastors lately that are struggling with that. Um, you don't know how many guys, we need to be praying for our pastors, like I said, because some of you are ready to quit. But in verse 12, he says, giving thanks in Colossians 1 to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Were we qualified? No. Who qualified us? Are you reading this with me? Come on. Let's not just have Sunday morning. Let's, have, let's really have church, okay? He says, who, he says that the Father who has qualified us. You've heard the old saying that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
All right? So any qualifications we have, we have to get from him and not on our own to try to get ready for him. We have to surrender. We have to surrender. That means, what does it mean? It means give control. Total control. There are some areas in our lives, there are some areas in our in our families, there are some areas in our church that we want to hold on to and we want to direct it the way we want it to go. And he's saying surrender, okay? Um, but we're qualified that way. Now, here's what I'm going to read. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So what I want us to see here is that our biggest problem isn't the world that we live in. It's not the devil. It is our own sin. Because Satan has not got the power to make us do anything. Uh, so uh, Paul deals with that, the greatest problem we have. No philosopher, no anything can solve that. Only Christ can solve that. And that's what he says, is that he delivers us. So here's what I want to say. If you're not delivered today, you can be delivered because Christ says, I will deliver you. He's paid the price to deliver you. He wants to deliver you. And if you need deliverance from anything, that Christ is ready to do it. He has the power, but you have to trust him, not yourself. And so many times we have difficulties. We try to figure a way to work it out in our lives, right? He's the only one that can deliver us. Now... Um, I was talking about my struggles that, uh, and, you know, I can get down on myself really bad. You know, I seem to be like this all positive, optimistic type guy. But the truth is, is that deep down that you don't see that there is a, there is a, there's, there's sometimes a darkness, a pessimism. There's a, there's a doubt. You know what I'm saying is that there, there, there's, I can be very negative if I'm not careful. Right. And, and, and you can too, can't you? Right. You know, some of us just hide it better than others. Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm that type of personality. I can hide it. But deep down inside, you get that, and, and you want to try to manage things on your own, and you just feel like you just want to give up at times, right? You do. And a lot of things in life. But he says that Christ has delivered us from what? The power of darkness. I'm so glad that even though I was powerless, he is all-powerful, and that he's delivered me from the power of darkness. There's a power in that darkness. There is. It's not all powerful, but there is a power in that darkness. And that darkness can creep into our lives and areas and, and keep us from being as effective as God wants us to be. And the problem is, is in our society, we just kind of settle. We just kind of settle to get in some groove. We just kind of settle to just good enough to get by. And that's the way we do so many things in our lives. That's the way I do so many things. It's just good enough to get by. Good enough for now. So he, though, has the power to deliver us. His power is greater than that power. Because we're going to struggle because, you remember, we live in a sin-cursed world. Even though you're redeemed, even though you're saved, you live in a sin-cursed world, and we live in sin-cursed bodies. But we don't have to be controlled by sin because there's a new power in town. <laughs> the spirit of life in Christ. And the spirit of God that raised, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And in Romans, he says, if that he has saved us, that if he gave his son to save our souls, basically won't he give us all things that we need to live the life he wants us to live? 
And that's what he promises us. So he said to deliver us. That word means to draw oneself or to rescue. God drew us out. He drew us out of darkness and he's rescued us and he wants to rescue us completely when we receive his salvation by faith and we call that the new birth. So when you completely put your faith in Christ, you should be delivered. I mean, he wants to completely deliver us. He doesn't want us in a halfway kingdom. He doesn't want us to be a part-time Christian. If you've been saved, if you've been delivered, live like it. You know, he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I I love that verse because there's many times I have to go there. I've confessed, I've agreed together with him, I've trusted him. And when I do that, he has, it's a promise from God. He will forgive you. But the other part of that, sometimes we forget to attach and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He not only wants to forgive me, and he will forgive you if you ask. He's promised if you ask, he'll forgive. But he wants to cleanse us. We need the cleansing. Amen? Amen. All the resources of God are available to give you that victory. So there's no excuse for not living like a child of of God. So um, if I have been delivered and I'm still being dominated by some power in the darkness, it's because I myself choose to submit to it. That's the reason why. You have to ask yourself, and we have to ask ourselves, we'll keep preaching the word of God. We need to do more Bible studies. We need to be doing more teaching than what we're doing. Because you think about what little time we spend together. And think about what little time we spend reading the word. How little time we spend, you know, uh, studying and praying. And then think of how much time we spend everywhere else. Taking in. What are we feeding our minds? Because if you're feeding your minds all this stuff that's out there, and you know, now look at how different it is now than it was even 10, 15, especially 20 or 30 years ago, with all the social media and everything, and you know, everything that's coming at us, and 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 you know what, with this right here, the whole world of everything, it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. You know what surprised me in nearly every session that we had, you know, whether it's one on uh, repentance or whether it was one on um, purity or on forgiveness or keeping Christ in the center. These are just names of some of the sessions we do, keeping Christ in the center, or whether it's on families or whether it's on whatever. One of the things that in every testimony came out was something for men. It's different for women, but one of the things that come out of something that Satan was using to destroy and poison minds and bring much darkness and much sadness is pornography. It's a cancer, and it will rob you and destroy you. And it's just so available now, right here. Uh, and we get in this whole world of everybody else's business. And here's another thing is the devil just gets us so distracted. We don't even take time to live in the real world because we're too busy seeing what someone's tweeted, what someone's posted, or their Instagram or something like that. And so the enemy has, listen, Satan, listen, Satan is not more powerful today than he was. He is not. He's just got a lot more tools to work with. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, we've got more tools to work with too. And God's all-powerful. So why aren't we seeing the victory in our lives, in our homes, and in our community? Why aren't we? The problem's not the gospel. The problem's not God. So the problem must be us. And that's the thing that God is really working me over with. And I gotta ask myself constantly, what am I feeding my mind and my soul? All of Satan's work is darkness, See, without God, he's the source of light. And without light, what is, what, what's the definition of darkness? It's the absence of light. See, if it's dark in that room and I open that door, darkness can't get in here. Right? Because there's light. All we have to do to destroy the darkness is turn on the light. That's it. That's it. Darkness flees immediately. It's gone. And... 
we've got to turn on the light. And something we've been praying all morning is that one of the things that we're supposed to do, Jesus said, if you lift me up, I'll draw him into myself. Lift him up. Let's lift him up. We've got to be lifting up Jesus. We've got to be lifting up Jesus in the way that we live. We've got to lift up Jesus and we worship. Lift up Jesus as we're teaching, as we're preaching. We're trying to minister in all these different areas. We've got to be, are we lifting up Jesus or is it become more about us? He says that um, he has not only delivered us from darkness, but look at that, he says that he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That word conveyed means transferred. It means to transfer. It's a word that was used to describe the deportation of a population from one country to another. Like many times they go and they conquer a place. Uh, like history records that when Antiochus the Great transported, he, he transported at least 2,000 Jews from Babylonia to Colossae. Uh, remember when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt? They, they, they were transferred eventually from Egypt to what? The promised land. They didn't just stay in the wilderness. See, the thing about it is when God wants, he brought them into the land of Canaan. God brings us out. He's not just trying to bring you out of darkness. He wants to bring you out so he can bring you in. You see that? He conveyed us. He transfers from darkness into light. He wants to bring us out so he can bring us in. I think too many times we're just too focused on bringing people out. We want to bring people out of their sorrows, out of their problems, out of addictions. We want people out of addictions. We want people out of all these things. But we're never going to get people out unless we're bringing people in. Because he wants to deliver out so he can bring you into his kingdom of light. And that's something that has to happen. It's not enough to just stop doing this. It's not enough to just quit doing that. It's not enough to just reform this or that. What What we've got to do is transform. Amen? We've got to be transformed into the kingdom of his light. Because a lot of people... See, the thing about it is we realize the darkness has no more power when we're walking in the light. It has no power over us. Some people only want fire insurance. They want deliverance, but not transformation. God won't deliver you from without delivering you to. He conveys us, transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son his beloved, the son of his love. You know what the word there is? Agape. That's that word we've studied so many times. God's kingdom is founded in love. God so loved, it's all love, and that was a choice that God made because we didn't earn it and we didn't deserve it. God loved us. He loved, listen, God so loved the world that what did he do? God so loved the world that he gave his son. The son so loved the father that he, and the lost world, that he came. The spirit so loves the father and the son the lost world, and the believer that he indwells and empowers us. It's a kingdom that is characterized by two things, light and love. Not only has he delivered us and transferred us, but verse 14, he's redeemed us. Just a simple message this morning. Just a simple message. He's redeemed us. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Jesus is the one who paid the ransom. To buy us back out of darkness. Now listen, it wasn't that Satan held some kind of rights over us like some. And there's some guys out there that teach that. That Satan somehow tricked God and got control of this. And God had to do this to, to buy us back from, uh, from, uh, from Satan. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Um, Jesus didn't pay ransom to Satan. He paid the ransom demanded by the holiness and perfection and justice of God. It wasn't that Satan held rights over us. It was sin. Okay? He paid the ransom for your sin. 
I don't know. That just still gets to me. I needed to just kind of have some of the layers rolled back and hit with that this week. My sin. And he reminds us the price that was involved when he says redeemed through his blood. Think about that. His blood isn't just the suffering and the bleeding as the life drained out of him, as the blood drained out of him. is his death. He experienced the wages of my sin and your sin for us. Part of that wage of death is separation and separation from the Father when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Redemption and forgiveness. Do you know those always go together? The word that's translated to, to forgive means to literally send away or to cancel a debt. Christ not only set us free and transferred us into a new kingdom, he's canceled the sin debt so we don't have to be enslaved again. Now, here's the thing. Since he's delivered us, why in the world would we want to crawl back under the fence and go back under that bondage? You know, they say in the South, after the, the slaves were freed and everything, there were some places that they hadn't heard about it, they didn't know about it, and finally people would come in and they were forced to free their slaves. Can you imagine a slave that had been freed and if there were things in place where they could kind of get their life together and get a place to work and start making a wage? Can you imagine a slave that had been under a master's whip and been beaten and been treated like property and been treated like an animal that after being freed and after having a life uh, that is available to them, can you imagine that slave escaping that wonderful life sneaking back under that fence and getting under that master's whip that's insane but did you know what spiritually people do it every day why would we do that he came to give us freedom and the thing about it is when he cancels the debt you don't have to be enslaved again when Satan tries to accuse you you know what when he tries to dig up your past there's nothing in the file in heaven he's cleared it away jesus has so jesus is the one and no other person could redeem us no other person could save us no other person could transfer us out of satan's kingdom into god's kingdom and do it wholly by grace so through his blood reminds us the cost and when we contemplate all he's done how can we do any less than just pray to be filled with the knowledge of his will so we can glorify him the forgiveness of sins. And he reminds us in the rest of that passage who Jesus is, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is number one. And he goes through all of that, that he is, listen, listen, listen as I read this. By him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, and visible or invisible. And he says that whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things created through him and for him. He is before all things And in him all things consist. He holds everything together. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Listen to this, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That is, in all things he may be number one. So it's not just that Jesus comes first. It's that in everything on my list, Jesus is first. The highest Christian love is not devotion to a work or a cause, but to Jesus Christ himself, Oswald Chambers. In Galatians 5 Paul said, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Literally, who cut in on you? You were running so well. Who cut in on you? And I think this could be said, I'm going to be honest with you. This could be said about a lot of us. We were running well. What happened? What's happening? Then he says this. He says, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Wow. Then he says in verse 9, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. 
And that's the whole thing that happens. We get a little off track. It's like a virus that spread it. And he says, that, that's the thing. He says, God wants to give you freedom. He wants to deliver us, okay? So that's the thing I'm claiming today, that deliverance and that power. It's not on my ability. It's not on my wisdom. And I'm so thankful that God's taken an opportunity to kind of pull back some of my layers and to just show me there are some areas where you are on autopilot, okay? There are some areas where you're going through the motions. There are some areas that you may be kind of holding me out. I want in right now. It's time. There's no better time than right now. Past is gone. There's not a blessed thing you and I can do about that. What's done is done. But my past has been redeemed. Okay? My future, I'm not living there yet. Jesus is there waiting on me, and he's also right here in my present as well as my past. But listen to me. I can't live in the future because it's not here yet. I don't know what kind of future I have, how much time I have. All I have is right now. Right now is the only time I have to work with, is it not? It's the only time. Future hasn't come yet. Past is gone. Right now is the only time I have to work with, so it's time right now. I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, I'll tell you why the present is so much better than the future. If there's something God needs you to deal with, it's because tomorrow Tomorrow, if you don't deal with something today, tomorrow you'll have more sin to repent of than you have today. Tomorrow, you'll have less time than you have today. And oh yeah, there's the other thing is that there might not really even be a tomorrow. So what I want to do is just invite us to pray and thank God for his deliverance and just pray. Pray for me. I want us to pray for one another. I want us just to do some soul searching today to say, Lord... I want to walk as a child of the light. And you have a plan and a purpose. And it's not, listen, it's not the American dream. Did you know a lot of times as Christians we confuse the American dream with the gospel? David Platt talks about that in his discipleship books. But that's the problem. A lot of times we do. We just think we want to have a comfortable, cozy life. So I want to just invite you to stand right now. And uh, let's let's just focus on the Lord here for a few minutes.